It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Welcome into the program. Happy Thursday to you. Hope it's starting off well. And we've got a lot we can talk about today. Of course, tonight will be the city council meeting uh, where they will vote whether or not to put that question on the ballot regarding rent stabilization, which, again, I want to reiterate because the conversation went in a different direction yesterday after the program. Rent stabilization is different than rent control. Rent control is a flat number of what you can charge. Rent stabilization allows for a percentage. That would be the maximum you can raise it from Year to year, at least year to least year. And I heard all kinds of rhetoric yesterday about how, you know, we can thank the illegal immigrants for this. No. We can thank the train for this. No. It comes down to one thing. Landlords are charging these prices because they can. And I'm not talking about those who have had to raise rents because... They're paying more in taxes, the water bill went up, paying more in insurance, making up for the loss of revenue during COVID. All of those things are serious and legitimate factors as to why rents may need to go up. We're talking about the people who are raising rents 100% leash year over leash year. Oh, you're paying $1,000? Well, hey, just so you know. 90 days notice when you re-sign your lease, you'll be paying 2000 Why? Why do I have to pay double? Well, because if you don't, I've got three other people that are willing to take your apartment and pay that amount. And so that's the, the, the question at hand here. That's the issue. And yeah, housing stock has an effect on what the price can be. Obviously, it's it's worth more if there's a limited amount. But I also wonder if there isn't going to be, not a crash, but a reset in a year or two when the folks who get into these apartments quickly find that because they said, okay, well, I can afford $2,000 a month, but then next year the landlord wants 3000 Well, who's going to come in and move in at that price? But anyway, we talked a lot yesterday about it from, you know, kind of from the renter's perspective. And uh, coming up on the 10 o'clock hour, we'll be joined by a New Bedford landlord, Lisa White, who you know she's run for office before. And, uh, and she owns multiple properties in the city. And we'll talk with her about some of the things from the landlord's perspective. And we'll talk about some of the challenges that they've been facing. 
And, of course, we'll talk with you at 508-996-0500. Not the only topic for the day, but um, certainly something that I want to make sure that we presented the other side of it and got some of the information from the landlord's perspective. So, uh, we, And I wanted Lisa to join me yesterday, but she was, she was busy with jury duty. So couldn't, couldn't take the phone call yesterday. <laughs> I went to go message her to say, hey, do you want to pop on the show? And I saw the post that said she had jury duty, and I was like, okay, not today. But uh, thankfully, she didn't get seated, so she can join us coming up in the next hour. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, I spoke earlier with, with uh, uh, Phil uh, regarding this issue, and there's a very important piece that seems to be missing uh, regarding uh, what the proposal is from Councilor Barrows, and that is establish, establishing by ordinance the base number. As you explained, you know, rent control and stabilization are two different things. And the stabilization aspect, if it were to pass, then it offers a percentage and a cap on what a landlord uh, can charge. In the event that this moves forward without that base, which should be established now, prior to the petition and everything else, then landlords are, are going to be looking at this as an open invitation to jack up the rent, okay, before the stabilization law goes through, if it goes through, so that the base number that they'll be working off of at 10 or 20% increase limit, if you will, mm -hmm. would be based on what, not the number that I'm paying, for example, say my landlord raises my rent this week a thousand dollars then his base is seventeen hundred and twenty five dollars i pay seven and a quarter if he doesn't do anything and the base is established today then he can only go ten or twenty percent on my seven and a quarter so it would be an open invitation for all landlords at this point in time if there's no established base to increase that base number now and that's the problem with the way this thing has been uh, rolled out i will compliment councillor bowers on his effort on oh, the, councillor uh, burgo councillor i'm sorry councillor burgo on uh the effort to uh you know try to alleviate uh some of the zoning uh regarding in-law apartments and, and stuff like that i think that's a good idea but the way this stabilization is being rolled out, I think it's a mistake at the present time. Well, one one thing that I would say is, is you know, and, and uh, Council Burgo talked with Marcus about there being incentives, you know, that maybe that there's certain factors that landlords who live in a building can charge a different rate and all these kind of things. I think one of the things they could look at is they could look at what the rent already is for that landlord. And, uh, you know, not in each specific case, but they could say, okay, well, if you're getting this amount of money for this amount of square footage, you can only go up this amount. If you are getting this much for this much, you can go up this amount. So maybe maybe the landlord that does jack the price up now can only raise it 5%, while a, a landlord who didn't do that can raise it 20 or 30%. Yeah, but, but, but you see that this open end, the, the, this backdoor situation right now, as they try to unroll this uh, with a, uh, you know, a, a ballot question is a signal to the landlords. And, and, and that's why this part of it has to be plugged up as soon as possible. There's no problem if they turn around and refer to ordinance 
that the base number is where everybody is paying for rent as of March 9th, 2023. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the intent. And in a court of law down the road, that will hold some weight. Without mm -hmm. it, it's open-ended. And, and, and that's the danger in this. Yeah. Well, it's a good, it's a good point. Regardless of whether you're for or against stabilization, the, the, this part of it, there has to be a plug put in uh, uh, so that this, this open-ended thing doesn't occur. And the other thing is, you know, if, if you're a landlord and you own multiple properties, by that I mean anywhere between 10 and 100 pieces of property, and there are landlords in town that have that, and they do this for, for business, they're going to jump all over this immediately. And this is going to cause some real, real major problems in the city. Um, well, certainly all part of the discussion that has to happen going forward. Thank you, Tom. Yep, have a good day. You as well. And uh, we got an app chat message in from uh, LD in New Bedford who says, uh, in regards to rent control, again, it's rent stabilization, I don't want it. As a landlord, I price my rental reasonably, but I need to offset tax increases, maintenance costs, and fuel costs for heat and hot water that I provide. Will that be controlled as well? I surely doubt it. And I, I think that that is a, a viable thing to bring up as part of the conversation for the landlords to say, well, if you want to have rent stabilization, we would like some property tax and, and water bill reassurances. And I think those are, are you know, the heat... You know, sorry, LD, but that's you know out of the control of the city council. They don't they don't have anything to do with that. So, you know, but the things that they can control is the water rate, the sewer rate, the the um, the the tax rate. So, if they can make some assurances to landlords about, you know, if if we're going to cap this in terms of rental, we're also going to cap this in terms of where those taxes may go. That's a, a, a conversation I think can happen. I don't know if that can be something that they could do with confidence because of you don't know what's going to happen and you can't run the risk of having the city not have enough tax revenue unless you're going to start to get into like, okay, well, we're going to offer this for rental properties and we're going to charge people who aren't rental properties a different amount. I mean, there's a lot to be unpacked with it. And, and I think that that's part of this this conversation, I'm sure that Councillor Burgo and uh, the, the co-sponsors of the bill, Councillor Gomes and, and Council President Morad, are already having conversations like this. I'm sure that once the council approves it to be a ballot question tonight, because it seems like that's going to be the case, they'll have, start having conversations about it. But really, I don't know how much of that is going to be in effect before the vote happens. If I were them, I would have the exact plan that I want to lay out if we go forward with it, ready to go by the time the ballot question comes around. I think people, I think the residents would be more likely to vote for it if they know what that plan would be. To just say, do you want us to look into this? Would not necessarily be the, the best plan of action. But again, I don't know if in the amount of time that they have, they would be able to get all that together. And um, be able to, to bring together all the different sides to be able to talk it out to see if it is palpable for both sides. 508-996-0500, you are next on WBSM. Yes, I have a question regarding rent control. Mm -hmm. Okay, the average person, that the money comes out of their pocket to pay the difference. What happens to these people that are on Section 8? 
that they pay a certain amount according to the income, 30%. Who, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's not necessarily the real number. Just, just to be clear, that's just something that was thrown around as a possible number. Okay, but I mean to say, who pays? Do they get a rent increase? So that's something that I, I, I don't it think... It doesn't come out of their pocket. The government puts in... I don't think that was discussed. Um, I don't know if that came up. I don't remember hearing it as part of the discussion, and I don't remember reading it in Marcus's article. So it's worth you know finding out from Councillor Burgo if he's, if he's taken that into account as part of this plan. But I think most people will tell you that the folks who have the subsidized housing are already paying a higher rent than the average renter pays. I don't think so. I mean, uh, I, I, a, I see landlords that charge $4,000. It goes according to your income. Now, if a, if a person that's collecting, say, like Social Security or <clears throat> uh, they're disabled or something, they're, they're on Section 8. Their rent does not go up. So they they have some controls already built into it. Is what you're saying? Yes, but it doesn't come out of their pocket. This is what I'm saying. The government, the government's got got to put in. Who's the government? Well, then that makes that makes sense then you for them I. to to have those controls already in place. Well, I don't think it's fair, actually. Well, so you're paying at both ends. You're paying at both ends. Like I pay so much. Now the person next door to me, maybe, maybe on Section Eight, I don't know. So but, it's like, but do they paying the they, government to to supplement them? But they already have caps in place of how much that will go. Is that but already in paying, existence? They're paying they're paying much less than I am. They're not paying thousand dollars a month for rent. They're right. paying like maybe. But my my two, question is: a, does a does, a, does a person that is on Section Eight does that program already have a cap of what the landlord can charge? I I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. That's I was just, I'm just asking. Goes up. That's a good question to throw out to the audience. I mean, yeah, I'm sure somebody will know. The I know the to government it. picks up the the government picks up the uh, the access. It doesn't come out of their pocket. Well, we'll we'll find out. I mean, I would assume that if they are not already capped, uh, you know, they would be subject to the same cap as as anybody else. And you're right. Maybe maybe that would mean that they would have to have to pay, you know, whatever that cap is, they would have to contribute that portion. Um, but we'll find out from Councilor Burgo how he plans to uh, address that portion of it. And when is he coming on? I don't know. I don't think he's available during the day, um, but I will. Uh, I'll send him a message and ask him t- if he can clarify it. And is Barry going on vacation? Is Tom Tom uh, Hodgson? No, next next him? week Phil Part will week? Be, next week Phil will be on vacation, and and Tom Hodgson will be in for him. Oh, okay, okay. I had I had uh, told someone that uh, Hodgson was filling in for Barry. No, he'll be on. Uh, he'll be on six to nine every morning next week. Okay. All right. Have a good Have week. A good, uh, good day. Thank you. Uh, 508-996-0500. I got a few minutes to take some more calls. You are next on WBSM. Hey, good morning, Tim. How are you? Hey, I think this is a horrible idea as a landlord myself because not all landlords are price gougers. And, that, you know, this is going to affect the landlords like myself who price out their apartments reasonably. Because I, don't, I'm I, I don't think so. 
I don't think so because you're already doing it to the point where it prob- you probably wouldn't even be going over the, the, the cap percentage of where it would be, so it wouldn't affect you at all. Correct, but you have to think long-term. See, where, where my head goes is like, wow, what happens if uh, property rates you know, continue to go up. It's not, it's not easy to own income property in the city of New Bedford. You have to take a lot of things into account. Um, one of the biggest things is like the monthly water bill, which is astronomical. If, if one of your tenants has a running toilet and they uh, don't inform you, you're going to have a $500 water bill as I did a few months back. And that's beyond your control. So you have to kind of price that out accordingly. And, like, you know, I like to stay on top of my stuff, but things such as a running toilet that you don't find out about, uh, like, until a month later, those are budget breakers. So, uh, you know, and, would you say then that, you know, and again, uh, the 30% number was just what was thrown out. I don't know if that's, you know, the real number they would target. But let's just say that that is the 30%. Do you do you feel like you have, with all of these extra factors, have you seen a 30% um, increase in cost year over year for yourself for any of your any of your uh, rentals? I mean, and if I was to add in uh, maintenance and updates and things like that, because I like to keep up on stuff, yeah, I definitely would. I'm still in the hole because when I go into my properties, I, I renovate them. Like, you know, I like to have it so it's, uh, you know, so I don't have to think about them. Right. Put them nice, get, renovate everything and just have, but um so with the updates and the upkeep and things like that, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, year over year, 30%. You know, I've done roofs, I've done entire heating systems, things of that nature. So, like, you know, to put certain things in place, for example, if you're an out-of-town uh, investor, yeah, pay more, 100%. But uh, even the people who are, like, local, like, you know, live in Dartmouth, Westport, whatever, um, like those are the people that are taking what they're making and they're putting it directly back into the, our economy, our local economy. You know what I mean? We're hiring landscapers, we're hiring uh, contractors, we're hiring plumbers, electricians that are local. So that goes right back into our local economy. Now, these big companies that are, you know, out of state or, um, out of, uh, out of state, basically, um, you know, they're the ones that should take the hit because their profits aren't coming back into the city and into our local economy, you know. So, yeah, I'm concerned. And, like, even here's my real concern is is the person who is proposing this, is he a landlord? Does he have income property? Because that's the biggest problem that I see even in our Congress. We have our Congress making financial decisions when these guys never balance the checkbook in their lives. So how are they making decisions for us? You know, we have to see, take a look at the long-term effects and, you know, what this proposal is going to do. Are a lot of people going to sell their homes and say, hey, you know what? It's not worth it. I can't afford to take a risk because I have a family. And and that's my concern is like, am I going to be like, it's not the, you know, I'm not a, con, really concerned about the rental caps. It's like, you know, I have a family. I have to worry about them first. So is this going to come to a situation where I could potentially blow my budget and affect myself financially long-term. 
you know, I have to look out, unfortunately, you know, I have to look out for myself and my family before I do my tenant. Well, I mean, I think these are all things that will be brought into the conversation. And it's also why I hope, and I mentioned this yesterday, I hope that there will be a group of landlords that will form a coalition that can work with the coalition that Councillor Burgo has formed to, uh, to look into this so that they can have this kind of back and forth. Yeah, I agree. And in terms of the Section 8, um, you know, personally myself, and, I, and I'm, I, I'm willing to bet at least 80%, and I know that sounds like a crazy high number, but uh, 80% of the landlords in this area are well below the Section 8 income rates. You know, a lot of people obviously do Section 8 their properties. I don't. However, um, you know, I know I'm well below that. So if people are follow, falling in line with the Section 8 rents, I think they should talk about controlling Section 8 rather than you know, personal landlords in the city, because what these landlords are doing is they're just falling in line with those rates. I mean, the going rate uh, for a three bedroom in my area, which is 02744, and I don't have the website, but if uh, I'll get it and I'll send it to you, is 1681 for a three bedroom apartment. Wow. You know, and, and like, you know, to me, that's craziness when, you know, like as a person who works in the city and knows what the incomes are, that's tough, you know. So um, and I'm but I'm well below that. And uh, so that concerns me as well Is like, uh, is this going to shock those mom and pops people that are just like, hey, you know, I want to get out of this or I need to raise my rents and get get for, you know. That way, when this does happen, I'm protected. Um, so, you know, that's that's my concern as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And reach out to me and send me some info because as we continue on with this discussion, I'd like to maybe have you even come in, in studio possibly and and uh, and yeah. share share these concerns. All good, man. I appreciate it. All, All right. right, thank yeah, you. Have a good day. I got to take a break. I am a little bit late for it, so we'll do that and stay tuned. And also, as I mentioned, you know, coming up in the 10 o'clock hour, uh, we will have a landlord in the city join us, Lisa White, who uh, not only owns multiple properties in the city, but lives in the city herself. And uh, we'll we'll talk with her about some of the, the, the issues that she sees as a result of this. And, of course, we can continue on with your phone calls. And this doesn't have to be the only topic of the day. There are, of course, some other things that we can discuss. I do want to tease a little something, though. Yesterday, well, I'll tell you when we came back, when we come back, because I, I don't want to be too late for the break. But I got a, a chance to visit a, a place that I go to all the time yesterday, but uh, with some cool new discoveries. So we'll talk about that when we return after a quick break. 1420 WB. Songs from one of my favorite REM albums, Strange Currencies from Monster. 
so 508-996-0500 or hit us up on app chat on the WBSM app. Uh, so I mentioned that yesterday I went somewhere that I've, I've gone quite a bit over the years. I, I love going to like antique stores, uh, especially the antique stores that are really, and again, I don't mean this is a, a slight to anybody, but the antique stores that are kind of like indoor flea markets, you know, where they have uh, booths where people put stuff for sale and then you go and you pay at the counter and, uh, or somebody just goes and does like estate cleanouts and things like that. And it, it's not like you're necessarily going in there and buying, you know, top of the line antique things like, uh, you know, this belongs in a museum, but instead I'm going to put it on my, on my wall at home. Now I'm talking about the places where, you know, you find the stuff, the unique stuff that you're looking for. Remember how I said I was looking for a predicted TV? The place I went to yesterday had one. It's just probably going to be a little bit out of my price range. Uh, he's looking at a, you know, maybe a thousand dollars for it. So I was hoping to pick one up for like, you know, like seventy-five bucks, fifty bucks. But anyway, uh, so he's. It's the Buzzards Bay Antique Center, and it, it's housed in the building that used to be the Buzzards Bay Hotel. And they had a water leak uh, a few weeks ago, and they had to pull down some of the drop ceiling panels to replace the leak. And they saw how beautiful the original tin ceiling of the Buzzards Bay Hotel looks underneath it. And so he said, you know what? I'm taking it all down. And he took down the drop ceiling, and he rediscovered the original tin roof and the crown molding and everything. So I went over there to check it all out. And we even talked about the fact that there were some ghosts in that building because there is it is he's researching the history his name's Dave by the way and as he's researching the history of the hotel he finds he found that there there have been murders there so uh i was able to spend some time with him and i'm writing up an article that uh, we'll have at wbsm.com and on the app where you can see that beautiful tin ceiling and get some of the interesting and unique history of that hotel but it's that kind of stuff that i love you know that that history has been hidden in plain sight for how long and and now it gets resurrected, and, and um, I'm hoping that I get to go back over there. He, we, Well, I mean, I go there all the time, but he had talked about bringing me to the second and the third floor where all the 19 rooms of the Buzzards Bay Hotel still exist. It's just he uses them all for storage now because he said it would just be an astronomical price to try to refurbish those. So he just uses it to store all the stuff that he puts down into the store. Uh, so it's... um. It's really fascinating when things like that happen. And if you ever have any stories like that where, you know, some local history is rediscovered, let me know. Tim at, uh, Tim at WBSM.com. <laughs> works too. It's the same email. But Tim at WBSM.com or you can, um, you can send me an app chat message because uh, I like featuring those kind of things. Because it, it is interesting when you discover these little bits of history that are all around us. So looking forward to, to finishing off that story, hopefully today, and having it up there for you to check out. And I also took some photos of it, and I took some photos from around the store, so uh, you can you can see it for yourself. Uh, also, one other thing that I wanted to mention, as we start turning you know the, the the calendar here and we start getting into the warmer months and all of the activities that are that go on here like you know Fairhaven does their free historical walking tours uh, Wareham will reopen the Fearing Tavern they have those tours in New Bedford now that you can kind of have self-guided and all of those I definitely want to know about all that stuff because we can certainly write articles to let folks know about those because you know you it, it might be something that on a on a nice Saturday or even a nice Thursday that you might have off uh, 
maybe you decide to go out and do those things. And I, I want to feature as much of that as we can because so we, we talk all the times about the things that bring people to our area, and we don't always appreciate that ourselves. So 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning. Is it open topic? Or sure. Open? What's, what's on your mind? Oh, okay. Uh, I went to the city, uh, no, not the city council, the uh, safety uh, committee last night, public safety. Mm -hmm. And, oh, my God, you can clearly see that there's uh, no leadership uh, that's guiding the council very well as of late. Since, uh, basically, since Morad has been placed as the city council president, I mean, it's become such a clown show. I mean, I'm sitting here and observing this, right? You got, and, you know, and I like a lot of these people. You got the uh, Lawrence up on the chair with lolly sucking on a lollipop. You got Derek in front of me sucking on a lollipop. You got, you got um, uh, uh, Ryan Pereira uh, from Ward Six uh, uh, sucking on a lollipop. You got Shane Burgall that pulls out the biggest size bag of uh, of uh, candies I've ever seen, and he's mowing nose down. And I'm sitting there, and I'm. And then I'm looking up, and I see I see Brian Gomes hunched over, making a phone call from the chair as they're discussing uh, uh, some of the topics with the police union and all that. I can't. I I, I don't. I, I I don't know. I, it's it's like I took uh, mescaline or acid or something before I walked into this place, and I was so. To, I, to, to be clear, you didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> No, I did not. Uh, maybe, I, maybe I should have because it probably would have made sense. Uh, but no, I, I couldn't make sense of it. And um, Brian Gomes was mumbling, and I actually suggested to someone that maybe we should get medical attention because it looks like, God forbid, I thought maybe he was having a stroke because he wasn't making sense. Well, I mean... He, he, uh, he, had to, he had two state troopers that were on duty there, right, to, to basically mumble to them the state troopers look at them, not know what the hell he just said, and then Brian Gomes dismissing them. Like, you know, they have things to do. Why are you bringing these men here to, to, to basically ask them, oh, can you hang around with better? They're here doing their job already. Why are you wasting their time? It was such a... a, a, a I, I, I'm so confused. It's like, these are the people that we trust to be there for us, to, to, to make sure that the right things happen? I mean, did, did things on the agenda get addressed? Were, were they able to get through the agenda that they had planned for the meeting? Uh, listen, I'm going to post it up because you need to be the judge for yourself because maybe, maybe I'm being dramatic, maybe I'm not. I could not understand the point. The only thing I understood was what the gentleman from the union was saying because he was, he was concise, he was clear, he, he was well-spoken. You can understand what he was saying. Uh, you know, some of the questions from the council, yes, but Brian Gomes from the chair... The man was mumbling and and not making sense. Like what he was talking I mean, about I, had nothing I, to do most I, of the I time think with it's, what was going on in front of him. I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. I think Is it's it a pretty, medical I think or? well, I think it's pretty clear here. I mean, Carlos, we I think everybody's really kind of figured out you have an agenda against Brian Gomes here. So Oh no. My, the only agenda I have uh, against Brian Gomes is that he's inefficient and doesn't get the job done. It's nothing you, personal. Well, I'll tell you that right now. I, I, I think, was one of the biggest champions for Brian Gomes for many years, and many times probably I shouldn't shouldn't have been. So let's not get that twisted. It's just he's not getting the job done, 
and the man is making us look foolish. I, I think with, with, with that in mind, what we'll do is we'll say, you know, we'll wait for that video to come up and we'll see how other people, no, nothing against you, but let's just no, see how no, other no, people, no, how other people no, take it. See. And, I mean, I see. want you to be the judge. I, I couldn't make out what he was saying. He didn't make sense. He wasn't coherent. And if he is having a medical attention uh, issue, he needs to he needs to get some medical attention. And I'm I, serious I, about yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the case, but if he hears me, I would get medical attention. I, I, I don't know what's going on mentally or physically with him or whatever, but you know, for his own, you know, you know, the city council. Yeah, I don't, don't want to. I don't want to get into health. somebody's you know medical state he can he can let us know if he if he's having or i think that he would i think that he would alert somebody if he felt like he wasn't uh, able it to do that but it would be a shame for him to allow uh, uh the pressures from city council to harm his health i mean that I, it's not worth it yeah right again I don't, I, don't, anyway. I don't want to speculate on that but thank you for the call and i will look forward to seeing the the, the meeting okay all right have a good day 508-996-0500 hey one other thing that i want to bring to your attention in case you missed it um the news came out yesterday afternoon and the article is up at WBSM.com and on the app. Uh, Phil Devitt put it together. But uh, the Fall River Diocese announced that it is closing Bishop Connolly High School. So this, this school year will be the final year for Bishop Connolly in Fall River. And this comes uh, after they closed Coyle and Cassidy three years ago. So this is the second high school, the second Catholic high school that the Fall River Diocese has closed in the last three years and they cite the fact that um let me give you the exact quote here in a news this is from fell's article in a news release the diocese cited declining enrollment financial fallout from the pandemic and the current economic climate as reasons and i think you know declining declining enrollment is probably the biggest reason for that because if the school had the numbers of students that wanted to go there they they would probably be able to find a way to get the resources but it Declining enrollment. When you say, "Well, we don't, we don't have enough students to warrant the need for, for Coyle Cassidy and uh, Coyle and Cassidy and for uh, for Bishop Connolly." As far as I know, I don't think Bishop Stang is having any enrollment issues. So I, I don't, I don't think that school is in danger. So I, I don't know. What does this mean? Does it mean that they have to consolidate some of this? I mean, I would assume that they've probably already taken students that wanted to go to Coyle and Cassidy and transferred them to, say, Bishop Connolly or Bishop Stang. I don't know. I guess, I guess geographically, it might be closer to go to fall. I don't know exactly what's closer. But is 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 that system of Catholic schools not sustainable anymore? And is there a way that it could be revamped? Obviously, it's a certain way because they want to be able to have the the Catholic part of the education, the religious part of the education. So it's not exactly the same as, you know, some of the other private institutions that come in. You know, it's not the same as a Tabor Academy, per se. So is there something they can do about that? Or is the, the very nature of, you know, these private Catholic high schools in danger? I saw a lot of posts from friends of mine who were Bishop Connolly alumni, or, yeah, alumni, because multiple. This is a plural form. But a lot of them uh, were saying, 
I never would have thought that we would that this day would come. So I don't I don't know that much about the enrollment numbers of those. You know, I I would pay attention more to the enrollment numbers of public high schools, just based on the kind of you know things that I write about and pay attention to. But I remember when I was working sports for the Standard Times. Bishop Connolly had some struggles with being able to get sports teams together. They didn't have enough students, and it was beneficial to them to team with other schools because other schools were also having problems getting the numbers to come out for sports. So I think I think uh, Bishop Connolly and Westport combined for things like football. And I think that team even went away a couple years ago. So where are the kids going? Are they going just to the public schools? And what happens to those students that wanted that education now? Can they go to Bishop Stang or is is that school at capacity? So these will be some interesting questions that, that come forward. But the story, Phil's story is up there. Phil Devitt's story is at WBSM.com and on the app if you want to get some more details. But I think if you are a parent that says, I, I don't know that I want to. Because from, from my understanding, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have to be Catholic to go to a Catholic school, but you just have to accept that there will be Catholic education as part of it. Maybe I'm wrong. So I'm sure there are some parents who put their kids in those schools, not so much for the religious education, but because they wanted them to be in a, in a good quality private school. So what will those parents do? Anyway, 508-996-0500. I have to take a break. We'll be back in a few. 1420 W. Now we have Counselor at Large Brian Gomes, who uh, wants to call in to respond to those claims made in the previous caller. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm Thank doing you all right. Thank for the opportunity. Anytime. Uh, just felt that I had to call in. And in our discussions, um, myself and you, I told you that I will defend myself every time somebody tries to do what they're doing. I, and I've become a target. There's, you're exactly right. You have two callers that all they do is target me and the council president. Um, some of the distraction that's going on in the city council chambers is unbelievable. Maybe you ought to come down and sit there and see how grown adults act while they're at city council. Um, I was accused last night of mumbling. I didn't mumble on anything. Um, I didn't say, uh, when, as I did roll call, I called uh, Sean, uh, Shane. Um, there was that. Um, I am not perfect, and I've never tried to be perfect, but I am good at what I do. And we had a good meeting last night. We had a good council meeting with the Committee on Public Safety. We had the state police in. We had the, uh, uh, the police chief. We had um, the union in. And the matter, the reason why that meeting was called was on the motion a couple of weeks ago so that um, we can start addressing this issue of um, the man and women power within our police department. Mm -hmm. As uh, Since we have done that, since we have taken that action to have yesterday's meeting, if um, most astute people follow along, you started to see action come right out of the administration, $5,000 bonus right away. We're going to do that. Now we're doing a special training on Saturday. I have no problem with that. That's the action that should be taken. But I don't believe anything was happening until we started addressing the issue. The union started addressing the issue. We are supposed to respond to the needs of the city, and that's what I did. We had a good meeting last night. We had um, Sergeant Fay in and Lieutenant Fitzgerald from the state police. 
Um, what I was looking for was that guaranteed continued good working relationship and that the state police continue to come in our city just as they do in Boston, they do in Brockton, they do in other cities. That they come in giving us the assistance when they can and us assisting them, seeing that we are shot the manpower that we are. And, um, and I don't want to get... End of the meeting, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. At the end of the meeting, um, it's not even reported. You watch the reporters, how they report. We did uh, something very substantial last night, but nobody's going to cover it because it's the opposite of what's going on with the administration. But you just don't want people to know what the action is. We took action last night after having much discussion that um, we would um, ask the administration and the police chief to look into raising the salary of starting police officers in the city. Also look at the... Um, how the grade changes um, for the um, to retain officers, the officers that we have. Look at that to see if we can bring them up because you can't bring the pay scale up for the starting officer without recognizing those that have been on the force for a long time. And we also are looking at the educational part of it. That has been told to me several times from not only law enforcement, others, that that's a substantial reason why we're losing officers here. Pay? The educational, if you've got the Quinn bill, you can go somewhere else and get paid a lot of money. We mm -hmm. have to look at that and just trying to retain. So I thought we had a good meeting. I thought the action that the city council took last night is a good one and an affirmative. Let the administration know. We want to help in any way we can. This is not a, a matter that can be solved overnight. It's going to take some time, and um, we have to work at it because what we're leaving is uh, men and women in jeopardy and the people of the city, and I'm not about to allow that. So... That's what we did last night. We'll continue to work like that. We have a great relationship with state police, um, um, uh, New Bedford Police Chief, and our police union, and we'll continue to do that. But as and far as I, I don't want to, I don't want to give this too much credence. But the, the, and, and of course, your your personal health is your own issues. But there's there's nothing going on with you health wise that you need to report to anybody. If there was something that um, needed to be uh, reported, I would report it to my doctor and my family. And if it was um, that bad, you, you see, this is you see what situation we're in because of accusations. I have to answer about medical. Um, um, no, you uh, don't have to at all. Medical. You don't have to at all. No, but I want to give you that I'm opportunity. Going to answer it. I, no, I will answer it. There's nothing wrong with me, and um, there was nothing wrong with last night. What's happening now, Tim? I want to tell you is we've got some distractions going on in the city council. We're going to find some way of taking some action. We've got people coming in, and I'm not going to name names because they like to kick my name around, but bringing in posters, calling me a lapdog to Linda Morad. There's a lot to that poster that's being placed up there. Sick and tired of the personal attacks. Um, you can attack me, but you have to realize that as you attack counselors, we have family, we have friends. Um, this is affecting a lot. This is affecting a lot, and I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate um, um, uh People coming into the city and challenging me, asking me personal questions. Yes, I did take a phone call last night. And as I asked, I said to um, Mr. Safiolis, when he told me I had no right to take a phone call, I asked him, if your daughter was calling you, would you return a phone call? His exact answer was no. And mine was yes, because I will. My family comes before anything, and I will answer the phone. Then this man challenges me to show him my phone that that was my daughter. We don't have to deal with this. Yeah, that's, Who is that's this too guy? Far. Who are these people? And I don't mean to do this on your radio show because 
um, the voice of the people have always been there, um, and, and, and it should stay like that. But you can't continue to let this go on, and you can't let this personal attack go on on, on, on council. You're not hearing any personal attacks on anybody else. And most of the time when they start talking about anyone else, whether it's the mayor or whatever, we're kind of quick to go to that button. We've got to shut that down. But when it comes to Brian Gomes or Linda Morad, the attacks are on. And um, I, I'm just fed up with it. And I have to address the issue. And, Tim, I really appreciate it. And I shouldn't even be wasting my time doing this. But I have to because the, the accusations that are made. I can tell you more accusations that your previous caller has made that he could be held he could ha- be held accountable. But what we're going to do is we're going to start looking into, number one, who runs New Bedford Live, who owns New Bedford Live, because there's a, there, there's a stage to all of this. And, and we'll figure it all out because... Uh, again, I'm not going to continue to put up with this harassment. I've got a job to do. You're going to start getting on me for my physical health. What are you going to do next? What do you want to do next? You want to mess with my family? You'll cross the line. I'm not going to allow that. All right, thank I, you for I, the opportunity. God bless thank you. New Bedford. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Thank you very much. All right. I um, I do have to go because I have a, a break here that I am up against, a hard break that I'm up against. But we can address some of that when we come back on the other side because I, I do want to address, and, and I'll, I'll feel bad doing this, you know, after Councilor Gomes is hung up. But I want to address on the idea that we, we allow attacks on some people and we allow, we cut, you know, shut down attacks on the mayor. I, I don't do that. I don't know if others do that, but I certainly don't do that. An elected official is fair game for criticism but the criticism can't get into the ridiculous so if you want to criticize you know somebody's proposals if you want to criticize even how they run a meeting you know i think that that's that's fair game but i think